Welcome to the worship of God. Welcome to the worship of God. The Psalms in the Bible have taught us that our prayers always should begin with praise. And so the first hymn that we sing every Sunday is a hymn of praise, like this one, number eight today. It is a song, it is a song also that speaks of the Trinitarian nature of God. The second stanza speaks of... say, speaks of God as Father and Creator. The third stanza speaks of God in the person of Jesus Christ. The fourth stanza speaks of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the first stanza calls us to praise. In fact, it ends with these words, that every call we make to God, God offers peace, goodwill to all, and calms the troubled spirit. If any of you brought a troubled spirit to worship today, perhaps, I see those hands, perhaps this song will be a gift to you. Let's stand together and sing.
please join me in the litany of invitation and confession that's printed in your order of worship. We have been called away from that which is mundane. We bring our anxieties and fears and frustrations that distract us. With longing hearts, we desire to experience God. We are called by God to love others that are outside our comfort zones. However, we often fail to love. Sisters and brothers, God is generous in love and full of grace. Let us live lives as large as the grace and love of God. We are forgiven. Once again, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church and as we are gathering for these weeks in our chapel. For those of you who are guests today, a special welcome to you. There is on the order of service on the edge there a welcome card. If you're a guest, you could put your name on that card, drop it in the plate. It'll help me connect name and face uh, for you. And then it's an honor for our deacons and for our staff each week to pray for you by name and by need. So if you have a request about prayer, place that on the card and drop that in the offering plate as well. Uh, Keith Walker, our Director of Music Ministries, is away today, but he's left our singing in the capable hands of our staff singers. And so uh, they, will, they will help lead us today. Uh, as we join in worship, uh, we are looking at three scriptures. It'll be the first scripture that I'm preaching from, a text from the Old Testament. Um, it is from Micah, the prophet Micah. Uh, in the research I was doing this week, I learned that uh, upon every presidential inauguration, often the president places his hand, so far, on a Bible. Most have used uh, a Bible. Some open the Bible, and some open it to a text in particular. The text that we use and read today, uh, the last president who placed his hand on the Bible was a member of our church. 
I suspect he was still a member of the church here before he joined First Baptist Washington, D.C. That would be Jimmy Carter. And he put his hand on the text about do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Welcome to the worship of God. We are to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. It's a reading from the book of Micah. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. Oh, my people, what have I done to you, and what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shechem to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Here ends the first lesson. Now let us say our prayer. God of mercy, God of grace, help us in our shortcomings. Help us in our deep longing for wholeness. Help us to be repaired when we feel broken. Be available to us, not on demand, not because we've paid for it, but because you are God. And out of the grace that makes you God, you have become available so that we can avail ourselves of you, so that we might drink from your deep well and be satisfied at last. Merciful God, we lift up by name to you David Lester in his grief, the Manly and Hardy families and their journey of recovery. May healing and mercy come. And for we hungry pilgrims of Northside Drive who have come here with open palms, seeking sustenance, seeking eternal food, may you feed us again and again and again. And may we respond to the gift of your grace by doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with you, O God, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Apostle Paul contrasts the wisdom of God with the wisdom of the world and the foolishness of the cross. 
A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 23. <coughs> For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Here ends the second lesson. I'd like to invite all the children to come forward at this time. We'll sit right up here, and we've got our offering plate, and if you have it, you can set, it, uh, set your offering in the plate with Pastor Daniel. Thank you. All right, y'all, come sit with me. Come on, everyone. So good to see you. Good morning. Everyone, come closer. Come closer. Come closer. You gotta take up this red floor space. Yeah. Good morning. Well, hey everyone. I'm so glad that you're here, so we can have this lesson together. This lesson wouldn't be as good if I was just by myself and talking to myself, and it wouldn't be as good if there were just one of you, because this lesson is good for us together. Yes. So yes, it is, and every Sunday it is. But today, so much so because we're going to talk about the text that our scripture text that. Um, that Pastor Daniel read, and he talked about it in his prayer, and, uh, and Pastor James talked about it in his opening, and it's our text from Micah, and it ends with three little short, easy sayings, and the first one is, do justice, can you say, do justice, do justice. and the next one is, love kindness, love kindness. walk humbly, with your God. So there's three easy little statements to say together, but I don't know how easy those three statements are to live together. I think sometimes when we say, oh, we can do justice, we say, yes, we do justice. We can do that. But maybe when we go to do it, it's a little bit harder than when we said it and we thought about it. And, and we can say we love kindness. Yes, we do. We're here on Sunday with each other and we say, oh, we love kindness. We talk all about that in church. And then we leave church and we go home and maybe we haven't loved kindness as much as we thought we would. And then we say, oh, we're going to walk humbly with our God. We can totally do that. We don't need to make it all about us, and we can totally do what God wants us to do, and we can listen to him and, and live our lives in that way. And then maybe we go to try and, that, try and do that, and 
Maybe it didn't work out when we did that, right? Maybe it wasn't as easy as we thought. So I brought these three little phrases, and there's two hands underneath each phrase. So we're going to play a little game. On the one hand and on the other hand. Because on the one hand, these are really easy phrases to remember. But on the other hand, maybe they're not as easily done. But we're doing them together because these things are easier to do together as God's people than by ourselves. So we always do these together. So we do them together. So everybody, on one hand, we can talk about being fair. But maybe on the other hand, you tricked your sister into getting all of her gummy bears. Anyone? Anyone? On one hand? No? Okay, so then we can love kindness. We can be in church and we can sing songs about love and kindness and God's goodness on one hand, but then teasing and pestering your brother and sister on the way home from church. And that... Leah, I didn't say any names. And then we can walk humbly with your God. So telling God in church that we are Christ's followers on one hand. Everybody raise your other hand. Then letting a friend talk us into doing something that we know is wrong. Anybody? Anybody hands? So... So, this week, when we go to live our lives, let's remember, let's try and do these three easy things with each other's help and with God's help. We do justice. Can you say do justice? Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. All right, let's have a prayer. God, thank you for all of the things and the ways that you give us the opportunities in our lives where On the one hand, we can do these things that you want us to do, but on the other hand, it might be hard. Give us your help and help us to lean on the other people around us that you've given your help to as well. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go, guys.
the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. On this uh, high holy day of American culture, perhaps the highest holy day, we attempt to turn to higher things like the scriptures that we've heard read. I think of these two texts from Old Testament and New Testament as the Bible's twin peaks of what I would call sacred morality. The Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes, and the sermon from the prophet Micah, the first lesson that we heard about justice, kindness, and humility. It almost feels like I need to pause and say, do you remember those? Or are those only for a morality museum of past days? It seems to me that those values of kindness, humility, and justice are always on the endangered species list whether it's in the 8th century BCE, back in Bible times, or the 21st century CE, right here, right now, and as some might say, last week. Kindness, humility, justice. According to Micah, these three rarities all equal and answer a question. And the question is, what does it mean to be spiritual? I think that's how we would phrase it. And that's a question that I ask myself nearly every day. What does it mean to be spiritual? Or what is the recipe for spirituality? I want to talk about that. You may have recognized, some of you in particular, that according to Micah, he starts in a courtroom. It is legal language that is used where God and God's people are on trial. Witnesses are called, like the mountains, like the world, who have witnessed this covenant and this relationship. And per the court reporter's transcript, we first hear not what spirituality is, but what it isn't. Did you hear that? Spirituality isn't doing more to get God's attention. Like any 8th century Middle Eastern religion that would be worth its salt, 
these religions had plenty of accent on sacrifices. The sacrifices were important because they were seen as buying what the people needed from the gods, which would be fertility for the fields, for the families, and the larger the buy-in, the bigger the payoff. Since it was all agrarian cultures, the sacrifice that sacrifices that were itemized were, God, what do you want? Sacrificed calves? No. Sacrificed uh, thousands of sheep? No. 10,000? You hear the ante going up? 10,000 rivers of olive oil? And then finally, do you want human sacrifice? Answer is no, 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 no. You get the picture. Spirituality is not about doing more to get God's attention. But it's also something else it's not. It's not about making me feel good. Now that's very disappointing. Because I kind of live my life around amounts and emotions. I want to have enough to make me feel good. And I'm not alone, am I? I mean, some of you struggle with that. I don't see any hands. That's okay. I can hear your... Oh, that's one. <laughs> All right. I'll write that down for the staff review. That's good. That's good. <laughs> good. So do I. So do I. Uh, yeah. I want to feel secure, so I need more. However, how much more is, I don't know. I want to feel in control. Yeah. Matter of fact, I asked those same questions of me. How much is enough? And what do I need to make me feel good? I asked those every day, every day, every day, every day. Matter of fact, that's the plot of a movie that's named after this day that everybody's thinking right now. It's Groundhog Day. With the main character being Phil Connor, played by Bill Murray. He <laughs> It's hard to get amens, but it, it, you know your movies. <laughs> you, you know, Bill, Bill Murray, right there. Bill Murray is a, re, is a reporter, a news reporter, who is doomed or blessed, depending on how you look at it, to relive the same day, the same Groundhog Day, every day, every day, every day, over and over again. He's covering the news in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Now, the director, Harold Ramis, was one time asked, how many days did Phil Connor repeat? And he said, oh, I don't know, probably 10 years worth. Wow. Phil tries heavy amounts of anger, boredom, manipulation, theft, arrogance, bribery, all to no good. Then he tries all the emotions from lust to greed, but it still doesn't change things. It leaves him forever on his Groundhog Day hamster wheel, day after day, and he has stuck with his own shadow. Micah, the prophet, is not stuck. After naming what spirituality is not, he writes the recipe for what it is. There are three simple ingredients. The first is to do justice. Now, I know that is a slippery word, justice. They say justice is blind. I don't think so. 
but I think it is jaundiced for sure. We see it through tinted glasses and we look at it with narrow blinders. We are Phil Connor. Our definition of justice varies from person to person. Here's the best one I've seen. Justice is the very nature of God, a transformative virtue that seeks to establish or restore community while balancing personal good with the common good. It's the common good we have trouble with, right? Good for whom? For us or for them? For whom are, is the common good good for? What we all need is a beloved community that helps each of us and all of us see beyond our narrow blinders, those whom we can stand on their shoulders to see over our artificial walls. We all need the beloved community. It's tough doing justice because justice is not charity. Justice is the long game. And sometimes charity paints over the glass ceiling of injustice and makes it opaque. Do justice is the text. But doing justice is good, but it needs a dance partner. That brings up the second thing, love kindness. Whatever happened to kindness? I think it went out with the woolly mammoth. We haven't seen it in a while. My father used to have a saying. In fact, I've heard it heard him say it to you years ago uh, before his death when he was visiting with us from time to time he would look you in the eye and say thanks for being kind to us I got to tell the church I grew up in two weeks ago when I was home in Louisiana that very word I said to them your kindness to my father and to my mother were their life support and love support system. They couldn't have lived long without you. Thank you for your kindness. You know the power of kindness because I've seen you do it and give it, and I have seen each of you receive it. Love, kindness. But even kindness comes with a warning label because kindness taking, taken to some extreme can be coddling and can be enabling. So what kindness and justice both need is a broader base, broader than our narrow definitions of helping. Kindness and justice need walking with God. Now each of you and me, will, we will need to decide what that looks like for us. For me, walking with God is heightened awareness of the holy heightened awareness of the holy. And whatever that is for you, it takes practice, practice, practice. Good Friday is one of our good opportunities to practice. Several of you have participated. It's usually just a handful of us in the big house sanctuary. It is a place where it feels hollow on Good Friday but it is something about the telling of our stories that are often stories of absence. That in telling the stories of absence, we feel a sacred presence 
and the hollowness is transformed into hallowed space and place. Walk with God. Now, I'm not, no expert on walking, but I did put in 500 miles walking across Spain, so I do know a little about it. What I learned again is what we all know. You walk one step at a time. And we need each other to do even just that. I needed fellow pilgrims that would come up alongside me and say, that, that pack looks awfully heavy to walk 500 miles with. I go, yeah, I'm beginning to feel that. And they would go, um, you know, you don't need to pack your fears. Oh, yeah. I could shed about 10 or 15 of those pounds and never miss them. I, I pack too much. Or I'm walking along and someone says, I, I know it's, it's a tiring day, but I'm going to go another five miles. Want to join me? And somehow I find the energy to do that through encouragement. Or I'm pushing and pushing and someone says, you know, we need to listen to our bodies. And when it's time to stop, just stop for the in other words, even my walking on two legs requires the hearts and minds and feet of others to help me do that. This walk with God, what would it look like for you every day, like tomorrow, like every day on the way to Lent? Could it be that you start the morning's first step by stopping by your fridge and seeing what's with the magnet on the wall? It might say something like, God, whatever or whomever comes my way this day, help me respond justly and kindly and humbly, always in your presence. Or if that's too complex, it just says on the fridge, say the serenity prayer, and you accept the things you cannot change, and you find courage today, tomorrow, to change the things you can, change the things you can. And by the way, speaking of change, Phil Connor in the Groundhog Day movie finally got off the hamster wheel of the day. He did it by, after seeing his shadow, seeing his shadow, he owned it, and through the light of kindness and lighthearted humility, the very next morning, the next day, the new day, moved on with a bright dawn. That may be our story too. Amen. It is our tradition that whenever a word is offered, an opportunity for response and dedication 
was also given. The hymn that we are going to sing today is about the intersection point of all Christian theology. It is about the cross of Christ. And whatever the cross of Christ was about, it was the meeting of our sin and God's salvation. That's what we'll sing about. Let's stand together and do so. this time of the service, I want to bring a few announcements and celebrations and some prayer concerns to you. Uh, the first thing to tell you about is our Super Bowl Sunday was a great success, for, um, both in terms of the food that we had last week in the fellowship, but we raised uh, over $2,200 last week, and I'm told it's not too late. If you weren't able to be here last week and contribute, you can still make a contribution and just put uh, Hunger Fund, Hunger Fund, in the regarding line of your check. Our missions ministry team is gonna have a meeting directly after the service today, a reminder to members of that ministry team. If you look on the back of your order of worship, you'll see some information about a special guest that we'll be having coming up in two weeks on February 16th, Bishop Malchus from the Republic of Georgia 
will be in our adult Sunday school hour and preaching that morning, and there will be a special lunch and learn afterwards. So we hope you can make plans to be here for our very special guest. Also, uh, Triple E's Thanksgiving, or rather, I got the wrong holiday. <laughs> what year is it? Groundhog Day. <laughs> Triple E is meeting, I got that right. Um, but it's val their Valentine's Day uh, celebration and luncheon. It's coming up on February 11th. If you can RSVP to Barbara Atchley if you haven't already. Um, also wanted you to know about the CBF of Georgia and First Baptist Decatur are going to be sponsoring a religious liberty conversation on February 11th. If you want to know about that, there's some information on a printout uh, at the table back there in the narthex and the table here on the way out. You need to RSVP by tomorrow if you are interested in attending. Some prayer concerns to let you know about. Uh, many of you know David Lester and Terry Lewis, two men who have attended our church for about three years. Um, you may know them as the men who wore Santa Claus hats during Advent, who sat right back there during Advent. Oh, I'm sad to report that uh, David's husband, Terry, died on Saturday, and they've asked that the memorial service be held here and it will be, and the details have yet to be finalized. So be praying for, for David and his grief. We remember Valerie Hardy and her mother Muriel. Uh, Valerie says she's so grateful for the calls and the cards that she's gotten from you all and is very encouraged by them, as is Teresa Manley. So be praying for the Manley family, too, in their journey of recovery for both of these families. For the victims of coronavirus worldwide, uh, we lift them up for healing and for comfort, as well as the concerns that, that you all bring. Many of you might be feeling alone uh, in a world that seems set on fire, and the, the hymn that you're about to hear that will be sung by Shante uh, in just a moment uh, speaks of being alone, but also speaks of give me Jesus. So may Jesus come at table and in song. Thank you.
At this time, we will celebrate communion. Please look in your orders of service for the service of Holy Communion. And our acolytes will be helping me serve today. Uh, all are invited to participate. The elements will be passed among the pews. Please take the bread and wait so that we all eat together, and then the cup so that we might all drink together. And now let us read responsibly the Sorsum Corda. The peace of Christ be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. You may be seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, much bread, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same manner after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We remember and celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering, death, resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church, that we remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All people are welcome at this table. So take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And now let us share the cup.
Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Please stand for our closing prayer. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table, for we have celebrated the presence of Christ among us. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, Bill Murray has ever been quoted in a benediction before, but you'll remember the last song of the movie. It, it's, it's something like, uh, I might just be falling in love, like that, or something like that. And you remember where that song is from? It is from a musical. It is from Brigadoon a community also sequestered in time. This time that we've spent together reminds us to walk humbly with God, to do justice, and to love kindness. And as we go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.